to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCorp Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Sean Wierzbowski about best practices in recruitment and retention of laboratory technicians. Now, as the founder and lead recruiter for Intro, Sean helps place laboratory technicians throughout the country, um, and I think his aim is for the world as well. Uh, This experience has given him uh, unique insights into what it takes to attract and keep top talent, which he'll be sharing with us today. So, Sean, welcome. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Also, if there's one challenge that isn't an easy fix, I think it's recruitment and retention. I, and we've, we've talked about this in, in a couple different uh, venues, uh, and uh, I've spoke with others about this, so I don't think it's, uh, it's a big surprise. Uh, and I know that's one of the areas that you, uh, Sean, and other laboratory recruiters put your finger on as a big culprit of uh, is the lack of training programs now and you talked about that recently at the recent uh, cola uh, conference we we spoke about that and andy and i spoke about that uh uh in a previous uh, uh podcast and uh i just want to know is that really the core problem we're facing and if so why aren't we fixing it yeah that's a good question chris and, and thanks for having me i think that Really what I noticed when I started right when COVID started was that, you know, there was a shortage, but with all these new labs opening up and hiring medical technologists, it just really, really um, extended the crisis even more. Right. And I do think training programs are, are part of it because, you know, when I was in high school, even college, I never even heard of medical technology programs. My three sisters are nurses. And not once did a medical technology program even come across their radar. So I think that's a a big problem. I know in my home state of Maryland, there's only about four different programs that do this with about average classes. So that's definitely part of the problem. Yeah. Okay. And and why aren't we fixing why aren't we fixing this then? You know, if this is a problem, if you you're not the only person who's speaking about that at, at the COLA conference. Uh, and I, you know, it's come up in other studies, etc. Why aren't we fixing this? Why aren't we, you know, uh, if there's a need in the market, uh, you know, we live in that kind of uh, kind of uh, world. Why aren't we? Uh, why aren't we fixing it? I mean, is, do you see any? Are there some practical issues? Is there? Is it political? Uh, what What's going on? What's going? Is there no will? What What's going on here? That's a good question. So, from the education perspective, I am not too sure. Um, I, I don't know what goes into actually creating a new program if they're trying to make money off of it. But what one thing I have seen is labs kind of take this into their own hands and have their own training programs where they train bio grads and chemistry grads. And it's certainly not a, hey, we're going to throw them into the fire and treat them the same as lab yeah. technologists. They actually have like step year one, this is what you're doing. Year two, this is what you're doing. And come year three, you're actually a lab technologist. And, and these labs have, have seen success with this. The, the biggest thing, though, is if you lose someone after two years, all that training was for nothing. And so that that's one of the flaws yeah. in that. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of recruitment. I know that's, that's kind of your, uh, that's, that's your bread and butter. Uh, so uh, we've talked, a, again, you and I have talked a little bit about this. I've talked to other, other people uh, about this. I've written about this in, in CLP. Um, what are some of the best practices that you use? And I know one thing you do, and I think this is a big trend, not only in for what you're doing, but 
across the board is uh, you list the salary range uh, in, in the advertisement or the posting. Uh, so what are some of the other best practices beyond just listing you know, the salary? Yeah, I mean, salary is, it saves a lot of time, right? I just had a, a client who lost someone at the, not through me, but on an internal candidate, lost them at the end of the interview process because salary expectations didn't line up. So you, you gotta be transparent about that on the front end. Um, one thing that for me is, you know, when I got into recruiting, it was, hey, make 50 phone calls a day to, to people and 10 of them will pick up and maybe one person will be actually be looking for a role. Um, I think that now, that that doesn't work as well in the lab field. I think it's really important to have a digital presence um, because, you know, they're constantly getting recruited that way. Mm -hmm. So for me, about 90% of my placements come from LinkedIn and the content I put out. And I've seen some laboratory managers and directors oh, wow. actually start posting about their own lab on LinkedIn and why they like it, just little videos. And oh my gosh, it's made such a difference with inbound candidates. Right, right. So, so uh, are there any other best practices in terms of I know. Uh, I think you spoke. You or someone else at the Cola conference spoke about this. I've read about this in in other contexts where you have these processes. And I know you have a fairly fast. The way you your your system works, or the way you work with labs, it's pretty it's pretty quick. I mean, you're not doing a four month. Let's spend four months interviewing this this uh, candidate eight times. You're doing it relatively. If I recall, you you do it relatively quickly. And what kind of advantages do you have yeah. there? So, I mean, I can't tell you how many people that have accepted roles who just said, you know, hey, this this was actually you guys were the quickest and you gave me what I wanted. And and yeah. they move forward with it. So, I mean, our interview process here yeah. is typically one uh, Zoom kind of phone call just to screen for skills. And then within 48 hours, getting them in person, followed by an offer same day. Um, is that always going to work? No, but I'd rather have an offer out there with a, a five-day deadline that put the pressure on everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing too, and, and I, I've known people who have hired people uh, over the years and uh, particularly, say, on the government side, and it can take six months. And, you know, they finally at six months, they say, okay, I'm going to hire you. And that person goes back, well, that's great. I've been working at this other job for three months. So, uh, I mean, you know, not that doesn't necessarily happen, say, in a more of a private uh, lab situation. But particularly these days, uh, you know, uh, when a lot the lab technicians are, are diamonds, you know, you're, you're not they're not just out there. Uh, you're having to search for them, particularly good ones. I mean, so that's the other thing. I mean, it's, it's a question of you can find somebody, but you need to find somebody good to uh, fill that role for sure. So um, in, you, one thing you, you, you touched on, which I, I think is uh, is really interesting, is, uh, and, and you, you talked a lot, you've talked a lot about this a few times that we've spoken, that... Uh, this idea that really how the lab is presenting itself and, and you just mentioned LinkedIn the, the lab uh, manager uh, sending you know uh, putting stuff on LinkedIn you know we're a great place to work um, etc so how do you you know how do you 
you know, certainly you can have that perception. So certainly you want to have a perception that you're good, but also how do you develop a good work, a good work environment that's reality that you're going to retain someone because it's one thing to get somebody in the door, it's another thing to keep them, and that is, you know, if if there's a big big uh, big cost center for labs or anyone, any employer, it's turnover. You know, you have to spend a lot of time recruiting, hiring someone like you, uh, etc. So what are what are some of the retention? Let's talk about maybe some retention strategies uh, as well. Yeah, and. So big thing with retention, Chris, I know we talked about this, but um, we ran a study. Um, we got 365 people to respond. What lab technologist was, hey, what was your biggest motivation for leaving your last role? All right. And so right. 65% said pay, 15% said advancement, and 20% said understaffing. And, wow. you know, I think you talk about being perceived as a good place to work and actually being a good place to work. I think if you're one way to see if you're actually a good place to, to work is look at your retention and specifically why are people leaving? Um, you certainly, I've seen in, in my markets that you don't have to pay the highest. You don't have to be 20% higher than everyone else. Um, you just have to be in the, in the top percentile, right? And so if you can stop right. losing people over pay, then that's going to make a big difference. Right, right. And and also, you know, one one of the things certainly with COVID and and you know, now we have a few other seems like we have another possibly emerging pandemic and and certainly a lot of labs were really slammed. They were understaffed. They were slammed, uh, etc. Uh, with um, uh, workloads, you know. So you know, pay pay and workloads. So. Uh, I won't go the whole story, but you and I talked about a story I, I heard uh, about someone who worked uh, uh, extra hours over a whole summer and at the end of it netted out like $300, you know, when, when they were working like almost double shift. And, uh, and um, certainly the first thing she told uh, everyone, because the person I heard it from did not do this, uh, but when she told her about it, uh, certainly that was the first thing she told everyone when she got the check was, I didn't get paid. I worked all these extra hours, basically missed out on, on you know any sort of relaxation in the summer, thinking that I was going to have this big bonus uh, wad of cash at the end, and now I don't have anything. So... Uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's that, but there's also the the whole workload sort of thing to recognize. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? I mean, in terms of, you know, workload, uh, work life balance. You know, uh, that we talked a lot about these days, and um, and in terms of, yeah, just just having a place that you, you know it doesn't feel like you're on either on a treadmill or you're you know, walking into a a prison or you know i don't know you're chained to their bench whatever however you want to put it uh that uh that you want to have a, a a workplace that yeah i have to work hard but i'm getting compensated properly and it's not destroying my soul i mean is it, it you know and how do you again you, you can put all sorts of pictures up on you know the donut friday or something on linkedin but how do you turn that perception into reality i mean what are some of the i mean are there some things that you've worked with Certainly, you're working with. It sounds like one of the big things you have to work with is with pay. I mean, with compensation with with your clients. But is there other other areas that you're based on this this uh, survey that you work with your clients a little bit and say, hey, this is what we got in the survey. Three hundred some odd uh, laboratory technicians got back to us. That's kind of a lot. 
and uh, this is they're all saying the same thing. So what what are you telling? What would you tell a lab if I was a lab manager and came to you and say, okay, what do I do then? Yeah, okay, I can offer more money, but how, what what else do I what else do I need to do to increase and help retention in that and based on that, that that those responses? Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I think one trend that I'm starting to see a little bit is you know, like you talked about, people wanting to be compensated for the extra work they're doing, and one way to do that right. was to to be a travel tech, right? And I think traveling as a medical right. technologist is is awesome it helps labs that really need help and yeah you know they they make a lot of money but they deserve it because they're typically working in the busiest parts of the lab but i think we're starting to transition to this kind of work-life balance part of a lot of these people careers and one thing i'll tell the uh, managers if we're having trouble filling a role is you know hey you got this role it's monday through friday what if we did four tens Right, because I've had right. people take same pay or even a little less, right, to work for tens, and right. you know I think that is definitely something labs need to be looking at. Is hey, you know where where can we kind of consolidate the schedules because that'll help with attraction a lot. And I think a lot of these travelers talking to them are they're definitely burned out. They're making good money, right? But they're at the point where, you know, hey, I can't do this forever. You know, I'm starting to get a family or I want to settle down. And I think work-life balance is going to be more important for them. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, recruiting is important, retention is important. Getting, you know, we talked a little bit at the front end of our, 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 our this, this podcast a little bit about, um, programs but mm-hmm. you know one thing is how do we get how do we get young people interested in this i mean i know and lab technicians are not the only people we've heard it trucking industry uh, nurses years uh, nursing uh there's certain types of doctors who aren't available uh her, there aren't enough of uh, there's all sorts of um uh, of uh, problems filling certain types of jobs. So how do we, and you mentioned, you never heard about this. You have three sisters who are all nurses. And uh, mm-hmm. I come from a medical uh, family. Uh, my mom was a nurse. And uh, so I know about nursing. I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really know about laboratory technicians per se uh, up until I became a medical journalist years ago. But how do we get young people in high school and does it start in high school or does it start earlier to get kids interested in scientific scientific careers and how do we do it? how do we do it when when do we start and how do we do it i wish i wish i knew those answers it's you know in the recruiting world it's hard to be focused on you know how i'll give you an example right so for me we've had a lot of trouble filling roles and so we've actually resorted to international recruitment from the philippines and some techs kind of give us um that give they're like hey why are you doing that it's discouraging people getting into the field but it's so hard from the recruiting part because our job is to fill roles our job is not so much to you know how do we get people set up to go into this in three years and i've talked to some programs like medical technology programs and they seem to, to have full enrollment um the problem is, it's just that there's not enough programs. Um, but I have to imagine it starts in high school. Right. What, what do you think? I I think high school. I mean, giving that as an option for sure. Uh, but I also think maybe at the even younger. 
uh, you know, there was a uh, there's a a lab uh, test uh, lab company or medical testing company that worked with Legos and put together this really fun sort of thing for kids, and I think it was I think it was terrific. I mean, we're not going to have, you know. I don't think we're going to have a plethora of, of kids necessarily wanting to become lab technicians, but um, I think that it, maybe it'll steer more kids to uh, to that, or at least thinking about it, and uh, maybe that'll open it up. I, I also like your, you know, kind of your. Uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot of kid, young people who go into you know the life sciences, bio, biology, chemistry, etc. And you know, then then what would they do? Yeah, you know, they become pharmaceutical reps, or do they, I don't know, get into some 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 something else that's related? Um, you know, what you were talking about earlier, having the labs kind of step in and training people, and maybe having contracts. You know, you we train you for a year, you have to sign a contract for five years or something, or you know, we'll send you to school or something. I don't know. I think there are a lot of different ways to do. Um, to recruit and ret- and that would be another recruitment, you know, option. You know, if if I was getting out of college, and I really didn't know what to do, and and someone approached me and said, "Hey, we're this you know this laboratory thing. You know about biology and chemistry. Uh, we'll tr- we'll pay to train, and all you have to do is give us five years. That might be uh, that might be particularly if it's in a nice part of the world like where you live in Maryland. Uh, that might not be a, a bad." Uh, a bad uh, option for them. So I, I think um, sooner rather than later. I, I think it's, what's so interesting is that you know we really have gotten away from. You know, uh, you know. I know when my parents were growing up, science, science it was science, 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 and we're, we've gotten away from that. So uh, maybe, maybe we just need to, as a culture, we maybe need to get back to it, particularly in in light of uh, the pandemic. So. I, yeah, I hope so. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe the a silver lining, and I hate to even say this, but maybe a silver lining with the pandemic uh, that'll help you as well is is that more uh, young people will be interested in getting into uh, into the field and uh, seeing this as an option. And I think that's that's the thing. I think a, a lot of times, sometimes, uh, no, not to disparage anyone who's has a loved one who has who's a high school guidance counselor, but sometimes they. Uh, they don't give you all the options that you can that you can uh, uh, can follow. So I think that's some of it. And you talked a little bit about international recruiting. I think that's a, a new er- an area for you. We, we talked a little bit about that. I think another thing is is um, also how people are how these per- these uh, professions are perceived as well. I mean, it's on the flip side. How- Migrant. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and you said, like in the Philippines, uh, the country where you've been work, doing a lot of work uh, recruiting, it's seen as a very good, a good job, a good way to make a living, and a, and a real step up to you know really help your family and and, and build wealth and, and that sort of thing as well, right? Yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think one thing too, like I was a biology major in, in yeah. college, and a lot of people, including me, I got in the bio. Just because you right. like science, you don't really know what you're going right. to do with it. And I think if people, you know, people can see the money in the lab field, right? I know coming out of college in bio, I was hoping to make 30, 40 grand a year, right? But the fact is that, you know, I know it's different in every area, but it kind of around me, 
you know, bio uh, med tech grads can come out making 60, 70, 75,000 a year. And I think if you start to show people that it's like, wow, this is actually, this is actually a really good career. And just because you start in the lab doesn't mean you have to stay in your in the lab forever. I mean, you can so many avenues in laboratory oh, yeah. medicine. It's, it's yeah, crazy. For sure. Um, so I think if someone told me when I was in college, or I, so many bio majors are lost. Yeah, <laughs> like their their third and fourth year, they're like, "What am I going to do with this degree?" Exactly. Right. Exactly. So if someone can talk to them their freshman or sophomore year, I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the I think that's the other thing is that you go in, you know, you have to make this decision when you're 18 years old. What am I going to do with my life? I'm going to go into. I like, as you said, I like science. Why don't I? I'll just do biology. Well, what are you going to do with it? I'll figure it out in four years. Um, and it, 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 if that was an op, you know, if that's an option, either to, you know, go for a little extra training, you know, through that school or, or, or go into a different program, a slightly different program, or if the if there are labs that work with that school to come in and and uh, grab up those those lost biology majors. Um, it just sounds like a really great way to at least recruit to have that initial recruitment and and uh, do that I know um, I know uh, uh, there's uh, in terms of like the training uh, program you're talking about I know of uh, at least one um, uh, just completely unrelated but I know of at least one trucking company uh, you know manufacturer that they bring in young people and teach them how to be diesel mechanics. And all they have to do is sign a contract for five years and they get paid good money. And, um, and uh, you know, why why can't we use a, a similar, that's a model that you can use. And uh, and not only the money, but it's also, I think the other thing too is, is it a fulfilling career? And I think that, you know, I think all of our readers at CLP and, and uh, various conferences you go to and the people you work with would say, yeah, it's a fulfilling career. And, Look at the pandemic, all the important, uh, thank God for the labs because we'd still be in a big mess if we didn't have people uh, administering tests, running tests, developing tests. You know, that's a whole nother area. You can you can develop tests and do real science and research. And well, there's so much, as you said, there's so much you can do. And just starting at that bench can lead on to such a, a really interesting uh, career and, and set of experiences. So I think that... Uh, yeah, you know, I think that uh, I don't know if we've answered any questions uh, today, but I think we've we've raised a lot of a uh, lot of questions uh, that can, can be answered, and I think we've talked through some interesting scenarios. Uh, and then with that, I think we've reached the unfortunately we reached our end of our time, and um, but I don't think our discussion. So Sean, I I hope that maybe uh, you can come back. Uh, uh, maybe sometime in the near future, and we can talk th through this a little bit more. We can have some more uh, insights and what we've, we're hearing and, and your experiences in, in the field. Uh, and I think this really is the biggest challenge facing li laboratories today. You've also given us some good uh, tips for some good practical tips for recruiting and retaining our staff. So uh, I thank you for that. Uh, I also want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, look for more episodes of uh, Clinical Lab Chat in the future and visit us online at clpmag.com and, of course, on all the major social media platforms. So until next time. Mm -hmm.